Yes, you are not mistaken, as you are locked into the number one radio program, Massacre Radio. I, of course, am your host, Members Only Dave, on this episode 20. Hey, how about that? Next week, we'll be old enough to drink. And hey, speaking of drinking, I just wanted to take a moment to congratulate Massacre Radio, as the Great Gate episode really took off, and it officially hit 1,000 listens. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of radio. As for the show today, well, it's another heavy hitter, as later I'll be joined by whistleblower Eric Hecker. This guy has an interesting background, okay? He was a plumber for the world's wealthiest elite over there on Long Island, and as a child, he was part of the Stargate Project. Kind of like an interesting elixir of experiences going on with Eric, and he has some information on programs within the government that they really don't want you to know about. So I'll be talking to Eric about that and so much more coming up. Hey, plenty of reasons to get excited. You know the drill. Turn it up and rip the knob off. Come on! Yeah! This is Massacre Radio. In today's fast-paced world, you have enough to worry about as it is. Abortion, domestic terrorism, gay marriage. Which is why you shouldn't have to worry about finding a radio station that has good family values. Because it's all here for you at your fingertips. Massacre Radio, voted best radio station for a record seventh consecutive year by Reader's Digest. You're listening to Massacre Radio on WKMA. Radio for your ears and heart. Massacre. Back here on Massacre Radio, and as promised, I'm joined today by my guest, whistleblower Eric Hecker. He's here to bring the people up to speed on the reality of the problem. The problem, you ask? Well, Eric has the scoop on some government secrets, and it's no surprise that the government only tells us, we the people, so much. And to fill in these gaps, we welcome in our guest today, Eric Hecker. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. How are we doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Eric, like I mentioned in the intro there, you seem to have the inside scoop on some government secrets. But to set this up, I wanted to start with your childhood because I know you're from Long Island, which is known for the Montauk Project, which, real quickly here, is an alleged series of secret U.S. government projects conducted for the purpose of developing psychological warfare and techniques. Now, in what ways do you think this setting of your childhood and upbringing influenced your later experiences and personal beliefs? I think it was just conditioning for, you know, what they do to many children for what they're looking as an end result product in adulthood. It's just a, a process that many children go through, my, myself, of course. And um, a lot of what I'm doing is to, you know, negate that aspect of our society and free the children. You also had involvement with the Stargate Project, which, again, just real quick for some listeners here, Stargate was a code name for a secret U.S. Army unit established to investigate the potential for psychic phenomena in military applications. So, Eric, based on your experiences within Stargate, what are your thoughts on psychic espionage and in what ways or how is it being applied in today's world? Oh, well, that's kind of an easy, it's, it's complex but easy, so to say. It's very referenceable in so far as that anybody can look up uh, Joe McGonagall and the remote viewers from way back when that were uh, highly effective and still have you know complete access to the U.S. government today in so far sharing the information that they ascertained through their skill set. There's uh, a lot more going on than the five senses that we are educated in possessing, and this withholding of information is unfortunate 
but uh, a lot of people would consider this woo-woo kooky stuff, but it's all very referenceable as legitimate. And as far as psychic espionage goes, I mean, there's there's decades and decades worth of research to support that this activity was not only not rare, but extremely common. So why is it, do you think, that information is being withheld? What's so dangerous about people knowing these types of things as it pertains to the Stargate project? The danger would be um, allowing everybody to know that they have the capacity to function this technique and that this would negate the monopoly of those that are currently using it for their own nefarious purposes. Eric, do you believe you were picked for Stargate or was it a random collection of students? I imagine that there was some sort of a filtering process to find out who had higher propensities for greater skill sets and then the application thereof. Just like if the powers that be were looking to form a band, they would test each of the children and find out who was, you know, good at playing guitar, who's good at playing trumpet. And then, you know, there'd be a, a lead for each position. And then they would move on to, you know, other things. Not everybody is made to be a guitarist. Certainly you can train folks and, and everybody has the ability to learn more. But there are prodigies with every skill set on this planet that exists. Unfortunately for me in this equation, I was very good at remote viewing when I was younger. What's your opinion on the ability of the ordinary human to learn remote viewing skills? There's nothing stopping anybody from learning how to play the guitar. Certainly some people can be better at it than others. But everybody has the potential. So this is what they're withholding from us is that, you know, just like everybody has a voice. Everybody can use their voice. Some people are, you know, better for radio. Some people are better for singing. But every single person could apply practices to improve their vocal abilities. So what they want everybody to do is be unaware of their sixth sense, so to say, and or more. Because again, it's about a monopoly, it's about control, it's about power, it's about profiteering, and it's just, you know, it's been going on for many decades. My guest today is whistleblower Eric Hecker. He's been around, been involved in some pretty interesting things, including, Eric, it says here, you were a career plumber on Long Island for some of the world's most wealthiest elites. What are some of the strange things you've seen while working for and or mingling with the elites of Long Island? Uh, many times in the master bathrooms of these uh, mansions that I was working in, it was, you know, before the digital realm. And it was common practice to come across magazine racks in, in people's master bathrooms. And some of the more peculiar literature that I came across in the magazine racks of the bathrooms of the wealthy elite were things like Council on Foreign Relations Quarterly trilateral commission monthly you know these these are some of the big dogs in the problems of what we have going on in the in the machinations of manipulation of society on a whole on this planet these are the folks that i worked with around in proximity to it just this is the nature of the beast for the path that i walked and and why i you know refer to myself as you know deciphering my experience and also trying to figure out what is the value of these things? What's What was the purpose of all of these folks that I had to be involved with? So in talking with these people, these wealthy elites, did you ever mention the whole Stargate thing? And did anything they say to you corroborate your beliefs as it pertains to your experiences with it? More so in hindsight. So uh, a lot of the stuff that happened to me in, in real time, first person perspective from my point of view uh, seemed very benign at the time that it was occurring. But it's in retrospect 
that I have to consider that there was a lot more going on. Not every single person gets to spend a year at the South Pole Station. And it wasn't really until after that when people started saying to me, you know, what made you so special? How did you get to do this thing that apparently tens of thousands of people every year apply for these positions, but only a select few get chosen for these things? In retrospect, I had to start considering, well, that is a great question. How did I get involved in this program? What is the path that allowed me in? And it's through these connections, through these people that I, I have to, I guess, just gather that these connections made more sense to me post-situation than during. Eric, now, this is the biggest thing I wanted to ask you about while you're joining us. You know, you worked under Raytheon Polar Services for the National Science Foundation, both as a firefighter and a tradesman. And during your time there, you discovered controversial information about the Ice Cube Neutrino Detector and its capabilities and other undisclosed technologies that could have military and communication implications. So it's my understanding, Eric, that the Neutrino Detector is capable of triggering an earthquake. Is this correct? That's my understanding, sir, yes. What sort of advantage is there to having this type of technology anyway? I, 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 to me, it's um, very obvious. If you can start knocking down um, infrastructure, facilities, and threatening the civilian population, and there's, and there's no method to negate this type of attack, it's, it's one of the most powerful weapon systems on the planet. Now, when you discovered this information about the Ice Cube Neutrino Detector and you mentioned it to others who were there with you or you asked them about it, did they act like it was top secret or were they very nonchalant about the whole thing? Oh, no, they were not nonchalant. And this was very hush-hush. Um, it took many years of research and conversations for me to get to that understanding, to being read into the reality of the program, so to say. It was extremely shocking. This is part of the problem with compartmentalization of information is that I learned firsthand how easy it is to have good intentioned folks involved in very nefarious projects unbeknownst to them. So I was kind of flabbergasted to find out my role in this after the fact. And that very much motivated me to get involved with making sure that the people of the world are abreast of the situation, because I am certainly not happy with my involvement in the program. I was very much used. I was very much lied to. There were certain people that were completely in the know throughout everything in real time, but the vast majority of the people at the facility had no idea what was really going on. Many years afterwards, I came across this information by, you know, discussing with coworkers from the program, from the facility about what was really going on. And those conversations were initiated because of the, let's just say the negative medical impact on the crew. So we were concerned about the health of each other and just trying to get together to find out what, what do we do about the exposure that we had that we were, you know, more or less guinea pigs for the military industrial complex as they, you know, did their usual routine of manipulating the world, having weapons systems, profiteering thereof. And this this is where I'm at in the conversation is just trying to let the world know that things are a lot more complex than they can even begin to consider. You know, way back when Ben Rich of the Lockheed uh, Skunk Works had said to Jim Goodall, a man who I met, that 
the technology that is available to the, let's just say, the, the upper class of the controlling mechanism of this planet is just decades and decades and decades beyond what he could imagine. And let's just say that Jim Goodall at the time could imagine a lot because he was very much read into a lot of the programs. So for somebody like Ben Rich to say to Jim Goodall, the level of our technology is beyond what you can consider. These are huge statements and things have only gotten worse since then. So I appreciate that what I'm bringing to society seems far-fetched, seems off the wall, seems beyond comprehension. But that's kind of the whole point of this conversation is to bring people up to speed to the reality of the problem. At any point, were you in denial maybe about the discovery of this ice cube neutrino device and the vastness of it all, perhaps? I have no denial whatsoever um, from what I saw and what I have gathered. Um, everything makes perfect sense from my perspective. I'm somebody who's actually walked the walk, now I'm talking the talk. As far as being upset by it, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm infuriated to have been involved in such horrible activity. This is why I, I do what I do is to try to make amends. Talk about the reception you've received so far as it pertains to the interviews you've done and the people you've talked to about the Ice Cube Neutrino Detector. I'd say it's bittersweet. I'd say there's there's a, a good portion of folks out there that uh, appreciate and support what I do, but it's also obvious there's uh, way more effort being applied to try to paint me out as some lunatic to you know make it out like I, i'm some crazy person to discount what i'm saying um to try to paint me as an agent or a profiteer i mean i'm making no money off of this whatsoever actually it costs me money every month to maintain a website to have the documentation that i've provided which is you know verifiable so if people don't want to appreciate the information being presented to them by people with first-hand experience, I mean, that's to their own demise. If everybody out there is saying, you know, if that was true, if somebody knew that was going on, they would say something. Well, guess what, folks? I'm that guy. I, I have been there. I do know what's going on. I have crossed paths with all of the important people in these projects, and I am bringing the information public. I am fulfilling my responsibility as a human being. I'm doing the right thing. Any of the naysayers can speculate all they want and pretend like they know what's going on down there. And they can say that, you know, people need to support things with facts. And I would just say, do it. If you're gonna if you're gonna say I'm an agent, prove it. If you're gonna say what I'm saying is crazy, prove it. Because I've I've already proven my side six ways from Sunday. There's nobody that can actually take any factual information and negate one iota of anything I've presented. So with your understanding of the neutrino detector, I mean, if this is something that does exist, what's the next step or the next evolution of this neutrino detector? Uh, they just came out with information recently that they're looking to increase it in size tenfold. That's the reality. We're going to take a brief time out here on Masker Radio and be back with more from our guest, Eric Hecker, after this. All right, listen here, friendo. You get one phone call, so you better make it count. Uh, I don't know any numbers off the top of my head. I haven't the slightest clue as to who to call. Look, figure something out or don't. I don't care. You've got a minute, okay? Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. What was that number I'm trying to remember? Was it... Please, 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 please. Oh, it's ringing. You've reached the Massacre Radio voicemail. Oh, God damn it. It's a crummy radio station. 
What the hell is Masker Radio, and why did he sound like that? Back on our airwaves. Thank you. All right, buddy, your time's up. You're coming no, with me. No, let me let me make another call. I, pr- I promise. I accidentally called Masker Radio. Don't be like that guy. Call us on purpose at 440-941-8585-247-365. We serve it up on Massacre Radio. It feels good. You're listening to the number one radio station in the universe. Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland. An HD2 station. Turn it up and rip the knob off. Back here on Massacre Radio, joined today by whistleblower Eric Hecker. Now, Eric, as it pertains to your remote work in Antarctica, what was one of your biggest personal takeaways from that period? I guess my biggest personal takeaway now is it's very unfortunate that the military industrial community seems to have such a stranglehold on the activity of what is going on on continent down south, unbeknownst to the crews that are seemingly negatively impacted every single year since I was there. I mean, they had to know that once you made these discoveries, you were going to say something. You were going to come forward with this information. Did they just think that people would think you were crazy and dismiss your claims or what? Absolutely. First and foremost, they never had a clue that I would figure this out. I mean, that's the whole point of compartmentalization of information is the presumption that they covered all of their bases and secrecy will be maintained. They had no clue that I was going to show up and figure things out. Uh, Eric, I wanted to ask you about Dr. Stephen Greer and what led you to being part of the legendary Disclosure 2.0 event. How did you come to meet Dr. Stephen Greer? That's a great question. I, I, I believe I met Dr. Stephen Greer through John Warner IV, who's the son of the former Secretary of the Navy, Republican Senator of Virginia, former leader of Operation Deep Freeze, which had a lot to do with what was going on down in Antarctica. So I believe it was John's interest in my testimony because he, through his understanding of what his father was up to and what I was presenting, he was able to observe what was really going on. And he was already friends with Dr. Greer. So I believe it was through the connection with John Warner that I became friends with Dr. Greer and interviewed with him. We shared a lot of information, uh, both you know publicly through the interviewing process, but then we also communicated behind the scenes a fistful of times about you know what what's really going on in the world. That's pretty much what got me over to Washington, DC for his event. And more specifically, And more importantly, was that I did testify in two SCIFs, SCIF, which is Secret Compartmented Information Facilities, for both the Department of Defense in regards to the Senate Intelligence Committee and the new, the ARO program, AARO, which has been tasked with getting all of the UFO and UAP information collected from every other governmental organization to figure out what the heck is going on. So I went down to Washington, D.C. and shared all of my information. And I quite frankly, I blew their minds. They were very appreciative for me going there to give them the information. They assured me that my information was going into the National Archives and being expedited to Congress because it appears that we have rogue agencies within our government that are operating without congressional oversight which is wholly illegal. 
So while the, the song and dance and the smoke screen of activities, which supports the bullshit, is the stories like, like Grush and these things that are happening publicly where there are folks pretending that we have no idea what's going on with UFOs, that we have no idea how to make a craft go that fast and turn that quickly. Folks, these are the cover stories. The brass tacks reality is that we've been wholly involved in this level of technology, and folks like me are trying to get to the remaining good folks in our government to try to rectify the existence of these rogue activities operating without congressional oversight and not to the benefit of we the people. The whole way that our structure is supposed to work is that we the people send representatives of us, not leaders, representatives to work on our behalf through Congress and to fund programs that maintain oversight. Without that oversight, they are what is called rogue and they do whatever they want. And what we're finding out is that these rogue factions are up to horrible activities both on and off this planet technology exists folks like ben rich know it folks like jim goodall know it folks like joseph farrell walter bosley a lot of people have been talking about breakaway civilization type stuff that there's just there's a, a split in our society and the vast majority of us are stuck fighting trying to figure out how to pay our mortgages while there's another aspect of our society that's literally out in the cosmos mining asteroids, making trillions of dollars, and involved with intergalactic commerce. It's it's that far-fetched, but that real as well. Outside of secretive technology within the Raytheon Labs, what was the general consensus about civilians? How do you feel they view us? As product. We're, we're pretty much just product. That's, that's the benefit of us being in the dark, is that it appears that, you know, we the people of this planet, are a, a labor force for hire. And for hire is a, a really loose term. It's more like for enslavement. I mean, look at look at how we function on this planet right now. On the planet, in this peculiar arrangement that we all live in, who's free? Who's making decisions every single day about what they want to do? Or are they really just choosing between options that somebody else presented in front of them. I've often said that, you know, in life, there's many times where a fork in the road shows up in your life and you and you look to the left and you look to the right and you go, oh, look at me. I'm, a, I'm about to exercise my free will and choose which path I take. Is that, is that actually freedom? What if you paused for a few minutes and considered who built the road that I'm on that's splitting? If somebody manufactured this road and the left side and the right side, and I'm just choosing an option that somebody made for me, there's no there's no free will whatsoever, actually, in that when people consider it. Now, this is interesting. On June 18th, Eric, you posted a photo on your Facebook of a green laser from your friends at the USAP. Can you elaborate on the significance of the green laser? Yes, that actually, that blew my mind, actually. That was, um, <laughs> I was very happy to see that. So the event in Washington, D.C. that I went to with Dr. Greer, uh, giving testimony to the organizations that were interested Part of the information that I shared with them is that there is this extremely powerful green laser at the South Pole Station that I, I witnessed with my own eyes. 
I did not have a picture of it. There was nothing that I could do <laughs> to prove that statement when I expressed it to everybody in Washington. Lo and behold, six days later, on my birthday, the National Science Foundation has a website. They can put anything they want on that website. But on that day, my birthday, they put up a picture of the green laser firing out of South Pole Station. And to me, I mean, anybody can argue with me on this one, but they're never going to change my mind. I still have friends in the program, and that was a gift. They were hooking me up. They corroborated my statement within a week on my birthday. What else could a whistleblower in the disclosure community ask for? Okay, but what exactly is the significance of the green laser? What's it even doing? What's its purpose? Do you have any idea? Everything going on is multifaceted. I understand a lot of people get very upset at the things that I put out. Everything that we invest in certainly has a primary purpose that's palatable. You know, the, the primary story, yes, it has something to do with atmospheric conditions and they're measuring stuff for science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing with the ice cube neutrino detector. It has a benign primary purpose for science. But there's also the secondary and the tertiary issues is what I'm trying to bring to the surface. So if anybody wants to study green laser beams, the power supplies required, you know, the duration that it takes. To, I watched this green laser beam fire many times for a long duration. So this is peculiar activity that supersedes the primary purpose. And I would say that what I was witnessing was, was either A, some sort of weapon system, B, some sort of communications system, and the things that I'm, I'm putting together as I decipher my experience and learn more in retrospect about the stuff I was being lied to on the front end is that massive power supplies and peculiar superfluids, which we apparently had in mass at the South Pole Station, can make what they call chemical lasers. So I'm not an expert on this topic yet, but I am deciphering my experience to learn more. And I appreciate that the secondary and tertiary type events that were going on are the actual real reason that the primary pretenses are set up in front of us. You know, we don't have horrible programs all over this planet being presented to the people at face value. They're all operating under some false pretense. They get up to the podium and say, we're investing in this, and this is going to be great for humanity, and so on and so forth. But that's how all of this stuff works, is that, you know, guess what, folks? They lie about stuff to us. I like what you said about deciphering your life, because I wanted to ask you about your website, deciphering.tv. This is something you came up with to share your findings and beliefs with the public. Just talk a little bit about what the people can expect when they check it out. You got it. Um, the whole reason I started the website was, unfortunately, I learned that everybody else should also be paying attention to is that the freedom of speech is no longer free. I'm not happy about the fact that I now have to spend hundreds of dollars a month to maintain freedom of speech. But that was my whole point was that I could see that, you know, platforms like YouTube, platforms like Facebook, every platform out there has some noose around everybody's neck. And if you don't like, if they don't like what you say, they'll just hang you. So 
I have my own platform so that I can disseminate the information as I feel fit so that I can put up the documentation that I have to prove my statements so that there's this repository that anybody can go to right now. You can go into the archive section on my website at decipheringtv If you want to download the documents, you can do that. If you just want to peruse, you can do that. There's a chat room on the website. If like-minded people want to have a real conversation about what's going on in the world, they can do that there, and I'm not going to stop them. I want people to look at these documents. I want people to get engaged in uncensored, bold truth, because that is something that's not being tolerated anymore. I, I want to start massive arguments in the disclosure community because I see a lot of gatekeepers. I see a lot of activity. What I would just say, the vast majority of content creators out there are lying scumbags that are working for some faction. It just is what it is. I, I made a post one time, and I just simply stated that it's a, it's a very common belief nowadays that the mass media is wholly corrupted. It's a unpopular belief to then say the internet is the mass media people get pissed off when you do that people get mad when you say all of the stuff that they're finding on the internet is garbage but i'm very quick to say that on the topic of antarctica because i know because i've been there i've spent more time there than anybody else in this conversation in the disclosure community and i know these other folks are full of crap so i'm here to kick the shins of the bullshit artists. I'm here to throw stones at the podiums where the liars show up, and I don't care anymore. Um, people can say that I'm here to be divisive, but I'm here to say I'm the opposite. The division comes from tolerating the liars in the mix to allow them to muddy the waters. The only thing I'm trying to divide out is the muck from the clarity, which is the point of disclosure, is to get the truth to the people and no longer tolerate the BS from the BS artists. And they're very good at what they do. Eric Hecker has been my guest today, and we'll make sure we follow along on the website, deciphering.tv. Eric, as it pertains to anything we've discussed today, is there anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? Absolutely. Uh, everybody out there needs to get as far away from their technology as often as they can. Get out into the woods and start to wean yourself off of the technological addiction you currently have. It is like that planking challenge they did a few years back. You know, can you plank for 30 seconds? Oh, yeah, now I'm up to a minute. Now I'm up to five minutes. Okay. Do this with your technology. Get away from it for 30 seconds. Get away from it for five minutes. Learn to leave your house without your cell phone. Learn to do it for an hour. Learn to do it for a day. Learn to do it for a week. If what I am saying right now is challenging to you, if you can't do it, if you find it hard, it only proves me correct that you're wholly addicted and they own you. So either do it, do it fast and do it with ease, or I'm right and they got you. Deciphering.tv is the website. Eric Hecker, hey, thanks again for joining us on Massacre Radio. Have a nice rest of your day, okay? Thank you, sir. Massacre. So that's our show. Thank you for joining us on Massacre Radio. Hey, coming up next week, we'll have a Thanksgiving special. We'll take a moment and reflect, so to speak. As always, I've been your host, Members Only Dave, and I'll talk at you next week. <laughs>